Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Springfield. Welcome to Him and I on Springfield. I'm Mike. And I'm John. And today we're on to episode two of season one, which is called Bart the Genius. Now, apparently this episode first aired on the 14th of January 1990 and the IMDb synopsis says Bart ends up at a school for gifted children after cheating on an IQ test, which I think sums it up pretty nicely. I reckon so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because like that first episode that we went through was the Christmas special Obviously, this has a completely different feel to it. Straight away, we're into the uh, the intro sequence, which is awesome to see. And it's the original intro sequence as well, which has a few slight differences to the one that we've kind of come to love and, uh, and know. But obviously, there's quite a lot of it that is the same. I think the thing I find really interesting with the classic, with just, just the, the, the usual Simpsons introduction, is that you actually get, in the same way that we were talking last week about the Christmas episode introducing all of the characters really concisely, if you actually watch that opening sequence, every character is introduced really concisely without any dialogue or anything like that. You get a pretty clear idea as to every who every single character is in that in that opening sequence. Yeah, absolutely. There's There's a very good kind of snapshot of those characters in their natural habitat and... Um their personalities come through in that massively it's a it's a really clever thing and i think they obviously they evolved that over the the seasons as well and the the one that we've kind of ended up with is a much more kind of concise version of that i guess probably just for time more than anything else one thing i really wanted to mention about this is now that we're watching this on disney plus like netflix it's got that button that says skip intro it's like, of all the programs to put that on, do not put it on The Simpsons. What, what a waste of a quality bit of animation. I mean, I can't believe why would you that. want to do that? Yeah, I can't believe anybody would do it. I mean, it's one of the best things about the show is that there's always something new in that. I, I remember when I was younger, like I would always be really excited to see what the couch gag was and what Bart was writing on the chalkboard. I was really disappointed when it was like a repeat one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, that's like part of the joy of watching that opening sequence is just waiting to see what the couch gag is today. And watching this one, I was um, I was pleasantly surprised actually, because I thought when it kicked off, so for those who aren't familiar with this, it's the one where they all try and sit on the sofa and Bart gets thrown up into the air by the kind of, um, the compression, I guess, of the, the sofa not having enough space for them. Um and you think, oh, he's just gone off up into the air and then it shows the TV and you think, that's it. And then suddenly he comes down in front of the TV and I was thinking, I hadn't remembered that. That's a really nicely evolved couch gag. It's not basic. That's probably one of the few ones that actually had something like an extra bit to it. Most of them just stopped at the TV scene, yeah, uh, the TV shot, and, and that was it. So it's kind of nice that if this is like, if this was the, the first couch gag that they did... It's just nice that they sort of did something with it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you could forgive them for it being quite simple, but I think that just shows the quality of the writing right from the start. Love that. So what were your thoughts about this episode? I love it. I mean, I, I think this is the first episode where The Simpsons are really The Simpsons. Obviously, the, the Christmas special, you, you get little snapshots of that, but... This feels like the most concise introduction in a way to the the way it's going to be, not necessarily to the family. And obviously we, we covered that in the last episode of like, you know, who the characters are, what they're all about. 
But this one is kind of just them being themselves rather than having to act up a storm to introduce themselves. I think with the like any of the Christmas episodes, in the same way that like all of the Treehouse of Horror episodes, you kind of have to write them off as being like it's almost like an event episode as opposed to being yeah like just the standard episode. I think so. You're right. This is kind of probably the first episode that's traditional Simpsons. I guess yeah. It's a standalone storyline. It doesn't have any other purpose to fulfil. It's just okay. Here's something that happens in their lives, and I love it for that because we're watching this from the start. This is the first time I'm able to go. Yes. Okay. Right. Now we're we're watching the Simpsons now, and that's that's really exciting to me. Just beyond it being a good episode as well. I mean, it's it's still got some evolution to do i guess the show at this point you know some of the the gags are a little bit basic or there's there's not so much of that really nailed down simpsons humor that we've come to love but again it's really early days and you know we we talked about this maybe being the first episode because the christmas special might have had to be brought forwards or something like that so there's um, a point to be made for sort of saying just how well formed it is even at this early stage I think that one of the things I liked is that we didn't see a lot of Maggie in the first episode. Yeah. Whether that was meant to be the first episode or not. But we didn't see a lot of Maggie in the Christmas episode. She was kind of just there. And the thing I loved with this one is that she's the first person we see. Yeah. And she's spelling out E-M-C square out of the blocks that she's playing with. Yeah. I just really liked that. It's like a gag. It's just... It's just really, really simple. And it's suddenly Maggie, has, she's got a, her own personality. She is now a character. She's not just a baby. She's actually got her own little sort of persona. Yeah. And you know, she's, she can see that she's following in Lisa's footsteps. And it also sets up the sort of the theme for the whole episode. And I think that's that's really quite a clever thing to do within the opening 10 seconds of the show. Definitely, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I I did wonder whether the name of the episode was given out to the audience beforehand, you know, like when they used to have, well, this this is taking me back, but do you remember in in the radio times when you'd look up what was going to be on the TV and if it said The Simpsons, you'd see what the name of the episode was in there. Makes me wonder if... Is is that that before you did teletext? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, we're really showing our age, aren't we? But um, yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder if, you know, in America, they've got the same kind of thing. They've got the TV guide and they're uh, flicking through and they're like, okay, Bart the genius. And then suddenly you've got Maggie being a genius, essentially. But what I loved about that as well is that she knocks all the bricks down, which really shows her kind of Homer side of it as well. And that's reflected in the next bit as well, where they're playing Scrabble and Homer's got oxidize on his board and he's like... How are you meant to make a word out of these crappy letters? But I mean, Maggie has shown just how stupid he is in in one fell swoop. You know, the first thing we see, and that's that's brilliant. I mean, it's again, it's like like within the opening, you know, minute of it, you get Lisa with Id, you get Marge. I, I mean, I do feel like in this entire episode, for me, actually, Marge is just it's same as in the Christmas episode. I feel like she's just massively undervalued and just underplayed. And I feel like her character is probably the one that evolves the most since these early episodes, because at one point she can't think of the word nurture. Yeah. And it's like, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you, you mentioned it last week that, you know, in the flashbacks and stuff like that, Marge was seemingly quite intelligent. And you kind of feel that that's where Lisa and Maggie have got it from. It's from Marge's side of the family. And then suddenly she's she just comes across like a bit of a she just she's just a compl- like not you know not dissimilar to Homer she she can't think of relatively simple words I think the word she what, what did she do on Scrabble he or something yeah. like that yeah after about twenty minutes as well yeah 
And it's just, I, I was just really, I don't know, almost quite surprised at how Marge is being portrayed in these early episodes, given that I think in later episodes, she's actually a much, much more respected and valued and everything. And she's just coming across a bit, a bit weak and yeah. background character at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I found that quite interesting. Yeah, it's a bit upsetting, really, I think. I mean, like... You know, we, we mentioned this last week that there are some really good Marge episodes, you know, where she's front and centre and she's confident and she's able to articulate herself really well. Unlike me on this podcast, which is ironic, but um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it is a, a funny thing to see. And we also mentioned just earlier whether we should discuss about The Simpsons potentially being pretty sexist. And I think probably the time that it was, you know, first released, society was still pretty backward in that respect but then you you do look in the rest of the show and what we just mentioned about maggie and lisa being really intelligent characters and probably you know that they're showing that female side of the the family being clearly quite bright whereas you've got a young menace in bart and you've got homer who's a big dumb balding american ape as uh, <laughs> as bart. i think i think you mean a quidjibo a quidjibo my, my bad yeah um <laughs> And yeah, and I think, as you say, Marge just comes across as pretty dumb. And I, I wonder whether they've done that on, on purpose in a way to kind of show the effect of Homer on her. Because I think that's something that comes out later in, you know, later in the series where you do see Marge in her formative years and how kind of, how much of a, a go-getter she was and like how well she was doing until she met Homer. So I, I don't know, it might just be that rubbing off on her. Although I think the the nurture thing did serve that gag really to to show Lisa as the the intelligent one, not Bart. It's just that that was one of those gags. It, it doesn't happen that often with a show like The Simpsons for me, but that one just really grated on me. Yeah. I was just it just was. Uh, I get that they want to show Lisa as being kind of you know hyper intelligent in comparison, but you know some of the words that both Bart and Homer and everything have used so far and marge can't think of the word nurturing it's just uh, it was just one of them that was just like i felt like it was a bit of a misstep yeah i think so i mean uh, th there are parts of this episode where you feel like the comedy's quite basic and I, I don't know whether that's something that was done on purpose i mean i'm giving it the benefit of the doubt i think just because i really love this episode but you feel like there's probably an element of the studio getting involved in and in sort of the the more intricate gags that you do get in there couldn't be the entire show at this point i think they they might have dumbed it down a bit for the audience which is interesting considering the entire episodes about how in particular how the simpsons value intelligence and how they view it and i think i think that as like the sort of the underlying uh sort of message throughout this episode i find it really interesting because they they start out with the whole E equals MC squared thing from Maggie and they have Lisa doing the whole id thing and, you know, Homer not not uh, being able to, you know, see that oxidise is a word. So you have them playing Scrabble, which is, you know, something that could be seen as a moderately intelligent game to play. Mm. But the dictionary's underneath the <laughs> sofa. Well, yeah, and they also say that they're only playing Scrabble because Bart's got his um, aptitude test and they're trying to sharpen his brain, I guess. So... It was one of them where it's like, but then as soon as as soon as Bart's then revealed to be a genius, even though he's obviously cheating, and we'll get back to that mm. later. But then you have this, 
Homer and Marge are clearly incredibly proud of Bart for being a genius, and Homer in particular then treats his son in a completely different way to how he did before that. Yeah. And I found that really interesting, particularly in comparison to how Homer treats Lisa, because in this episode, Homer basically just outright insults her by telling her that she should eat some of the uh, Frosty Krusty Flakes. <laughs> yeah. To get more intelligence, so she can be more like Bart, and I, 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 it was another one of those where I just felt the female characters in the show, like Lisa, just not even being recognised as being a genius by her own father. I felt really sorry for her. Oh, definitely, sure. I think it, it, it was quite cleverly done, though, in the fact that they they made a point of showing that Lisa saw through the whole thing from the start, and she could see it when both Homer and Marge couldn't. You know, I think quite early on, she's like, I know you're a dimwit. I think that's good. I mean, like, it obviously she gets kind of devalued in this, um, in this instance because of Bart being the focus of it, but she sees through it straight away, and she knows she's the smart one. So she doesn't need somebody to tell her which is which is odd because in later episodes she gets really upset when people get recognized over her um in this one she's just quite happy to sit back and just watch it all unfold it's one of those things i did really enjoy that that she you know it's towards the end where she uh she was at some point she says you'll always be a dimwit to me yeah. Uh, and I, I, do, I, yeah, like you said, I love the fact that she just sees through. And actually, she doesn't. She doesn't need that validation from Homer. She, she's perfectly happy being who she is. Yeah. But it was just one of those where I was like, you know, I'm a father, and I just, as a, as a, as a dad, if I don't know, and as, as a, you know, as a son and everything, if my dad ever treated me like that, <laughs> it's just a horrible way to be treated by your father. Yeah. But like you said, I think, uh, I think she, she's possibly used to that. So we then see Bart in his IQ test, which seems quite a crazy thing for a school to do, really. I'm not sure that's that's common, but uh, certainly serves the episode, that's for certain. But yeah, I mean, they, they start by having Bart put his desk by the window on the advice of Martin, who, my God, I hate Martin. What a... Uh, I'm sure in later episodes he's not as... Mm. What's a polite word? <laughs> I don't think you need a polite word, Mike. He's just, just go for it. He's just so. What's in your heart, man? <laughs> I don't think I should. He's just a bit of a dick, isn't he? Really, he's just like I get that. You know, they've got kind of like goody two shoes characters and stuff like that, but he really takes it to the next level. Yeah, he's a pain. I mean, I think this is is one of the things I noticed about this episode is that even though Bart is supposedly this troublemaker and he's got this enormous file on him in Skinner's office where he's done all of these bad things, he kind of, he's not as much of a bully as he is in the the later episodes. Because, I mean, if, if Martin had done that at any other point during this show, he would have just had his ass handed to him, wouldn't he? He would just like, have the, the desk pulled out from him and just like bitch slapped, basically. <laughs> Where where Bart is currently, you're right. Like that in future episodes, Martin very much gets wedged and shoved in lockers and all that kind of stuff. But I think where it currently is, without having Nelson and Jimbo and Dolphin Kern yeah. and people like that, without having those other characters that show that Bart is actually kind of middle of the road, you yeah. kind of just see Bart as being this kind of this bad boy character, and actually. 
he's really not anywhere near as bad as they make him out to be in some of these earlier episodes. And the yeah. fact that it didn't take him long to uh, admit his guilt and um, you know confess and everything. Well, it's it's endearing, isn't it? And I think they had to build that into the characters because if he was just a little asshole, there's no way you could get on board with him. You've got to be able to empathise with the character, and I think they did that really well with Homer, and they've done it with Bart as well. well I think I think the thing that they played up in both of the episodes we've watched so far is Bart and Homer's relationship. There's been that's been kind of very central to both episodes, yeah. and uh, I think I think the way that Bart sees Homer that was fairly apparent in the first episode because it kind of seemed like the more that homer messed up the more bart admired him but in this one you know bart, bart actually wants that intelligence because of the relationship that it gives him with his father which is another thing that i found interesting as far as lisa goes because homer doesn't seem to express any any interest in lisa for being intelligent so why did that change his relationship with bart so much i i think it's probably because both homer and bart know that they're screw-ups you know in in some capacity and homer gives bart more attention and gives him more of the things that bart clearly wants as like a father and son relationship you know just playing softball or laughing at the opera or or whatever they're doing they're having a good time together but he clearly doesn't get enough of that when the focus isn't on him so i think it's more of an attention thing rather than anything to do with the intelligence and, you know, when, when Bart confesses right at the end and, yeah, we're skipping ahead again, as we always do, but um, it's, you see that come out, you know, and Bart says, but hey, we had a great time, even though I'm not a genius, you know, what difference does it make? So, And then he gets chased yeah. through the house, butt naked, <laughs> and that's the first appearance of Bart naked behind in The Simpsons. <laughs> Certainly not the last no. either. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there are, there are other things that I really liked about this episode. Um, it's the first introduction of Eat My Shorts. Like it's a classic Simpsons line. So within the first two episodes that we've had so far, we've had Don't Eat My Shorts and um, I Carumba. Yeah. And they're like, it's just classic stuff. And Homer's Scream as well. It was in and the first Homer's one. Scream, absolutely. Yeah. Um, There's a couple of lines of dialogue that actually made me laugh out loud. First appearance of Edna Krabappel. And when, uh, <laughs> when, when Bart, I can't remember what, quite what happens, but she says, are those naughty dogs back again? Yeah, that made me laugh. I don't know why. It's just my yeah. sense of humour. But just... I, I wondered if there was something I was missing there. I, I oh, I get it now. Okay, now I feel really stupid. <laughs> I, I should do one of these aptitude tests. That, that was one of the things I was going to say actually. That when Bart goes into his brain and he's trying to work out the problem, within about two seconds, I'm like, this is super difficult, man. Like, I wouldn't be able to work that out. I did find that that dream sequence gets dark as well. Yeah. Like really dark. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of, that's like the first introduction into, there's a couple of episodes in The Simpsons, excluding Treehouse of Horror stuff, where it does go a little bit, wow, this is a bit. It's quite trippy, Leaning towards, it? yeah, leaning towards the more kind of Ren and Stimpy-esque kind yeah. of level of weirdness. But I, th- I think the good thing about what they did there was that they showed that Bart is really scared of failure, you know, and I think, I think he doesn't. He he knows what he is, right? I mean, we just spoke about this. Both him and Homer kind of realise they're on the same page in terms of where they're headed in their life. Bart's not going to suddenly become a genius, you know, despite what this episode is called. And it's it's the same with Homer. He's always going to be working at the power plant. 
So they're kind of set in stone. But I think it's the fear of absolute failure is the thing that keeps them from becoming completely inhuman in a way. Like they still want to do well. It's just that they know where their place is in, in the world. And mm. the fact that it gets so dark when Bart starts to, to try. And, and you get this in further episodes as well. I'm, I'm thinking about that episode where Bart has a test and he's trying to study and he keeps getting distracted and then he prays for a, a miracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and then he, you know, and he tries and tries and he fails at the end and you, you get that emotion coming out. I, I mean, kissed the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm looking forward to that episode because I um, love that episode. That is one of my absolute yeah. favorites. But, but just to come back to this one, I mean, you see that he's trying, you know, he, he's, he is really trying. He just can't do it. And it's that fear of failure that pushes him into that dark place. And I think, but I think they both have, sort of talking about what where no they definitely know their place in the world like you said and i think in the same way that that's that everything about the simpsons was summed up in one line in the christmas episode i think they've managed to do it again in this one so there's the line where homer on his first day at the uh the, you know the school for gifted children mm. he says now go in boy and pay attention because if you do someday you might achieve something that us simpsons have dreamed about for generations you may outsmart someone yeah, <laughs> and it's like he's not trying to suggest, he's not he doesn't want anyone to be intelligent he doesn't want anyone to to do anything other than just simply outsmart another person yeah <laughs> and it does i feel again i feel sorry for lisa at this instance because she's outsmarting all of them she's running circles around all of them from day one yeah um but it is it is just it does just kind of sum up like you said what you know homer and bart's kind of that's all they want they want that just that tiny bit more than where they are yeah I think, you know, I mean, it, again, that kind of shows the, the blindness and the potential kind of sexism that's inherent in it as well. In that, you know, as you say, Homer doesn't notice that Lisa's a genius. He just, he can't kind of believe it in a way. But I wonder if that's just because she's an eight-year-old girl, well, more, more of an eight-year-old rather than an eight-year-old girl. But you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't compute for him. Mm. But it, that's why it makes it quite odd that they're focusing so much on Bart in this episode when he's he's never shown any potential aptitude at all, really. I'm going to, I'm going to be interested to see when we get to like an episode that really focuses on Lisa, just to see how how Homer and Lisa's relationship is actually played when she's the protagonist in the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah just yeah. to see how that kind of, you know, I think there's an episode that we've got coming up where she's definitely the central character. Um, and I think I'm really looking forward to seeing how, how they start Lisa and Homer's episode in an episode like that. Compare that to kind of some of the later episodes. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be fun. I, I wonder if they did just kind of bank on those two characters to begin with, i.e. Bart and Homer, because they knew they were the most instantly kind of recognisable. They've got the catchphrases, Bart is a troublemaker. So he's he's an easy one to market as a as a thing. That he's an easy thing for the audience to get behind, whereas Lisa requires a bit more thought and a bit more um, intelligence, I guess, to to really get behind. And that's something you can do over time. But with Bart and Homer, they're just bang, they're there, they're they're ready to go. I, th I think you might have hit on it. It might be simply that uh, the network said, or oh, you know, <clears throat> the majority of people who watch cartoons like this, and the way we're going to market it is towards males aged eight to whatever yeah 
Um, and it kind of appeals more to, because of that, they wanted to make Homer and, and Bart the, the two sort of central characters for these first few episodes to pull people in. And then it, after a few episodes, they'd start expanding a little bit. And it'd be interesting. I'd, I'd love to have been involved in some of those conversations in the early days or to see what had actually happened to determine which episodes went when. I mean, there's quite a lot of um, slapstick in this episode and quite a lot of, you know, big physical gags and also just like crude humour. You know, so when they're at the, the opera, they're just making stupid noises and talking about the, the fat lady singing and just generally being obnoxious. But like that, that is really easy to get on board with. I mean, it's base level humour that anybody can enjoy. And again, with like all of the slapstick stuff, like when Bart is chased through the house naked and when he blows up the chemistry lab and, you know, they're, they're just big, dumb gags, aren't they? But they, they're great and they they work on every level. So you wonder if like this episode is laden with them for that same reason, that they're just they're trying to get those simple things established before they move into the more complex elements of the family. That's a very good point. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, mate. <laughs> credit where credit's due. You sounded like you were welling up there. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't. The, I, I, you know, when the music started playing over Bart's confession to home, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I felt a little bit of you know, tugged at the heartstrings. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of set me off nicely for the evening. Oh, bless you. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, similarly, I was going to say with the. Um, the bit where they're playing softball and they're, you know, he's going, go along, homeboy, and all this kind of stuff. You know, that that really got it's just me. just sweet, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, re- it's just a 10-year-old boy who just wants to connect to his dad in some way and, and the rest of the time. I mean, they touch in this all the time. You know, I'm thinking about the um, the soapbox derby episode. Yeah. And it's like, this, you know, all these episodes where Home was trying to connect with his son and he has to do this test and he doesn't know who his kid's best friend is or anything like that. And he wants to be a better father and Bart wants to be a better son. And the episode where Homer has a, a heart attack and it's because Bart shook the beer can in the paint mixer. There's <laughs> <laughs> all this stuff. And it's like, it's, I think, I think I've never realized how, how core to the Simpsons Homer and Bart's relationship is. Yeah. And I think. I think as we kind of go through these episodes, we're going to find that more than 50% of the episodes are going to be geared towards Homer and Bart than they are to, I mean, quite a lot more. I'm thinking like 75% of the episodes are going to be sort of Homer and Bart episode. Yeah. You know, just, just for the audience benefit, we've been watching these episodes separately, taking notes, you know, really going through them. And then we watch them directly before we record. So it gives us both that kind of like analytical response and an emotional one. But what I've been finding is that there's so many layers and just intricacies that I never even thought to look for before, because there's so much on the surface. You don't even have to dig that far to get absolute gold with this, but there's so much in it. And there's so much intricate kind of writing stuff that they've done. You know, the, the writing on this show is consistently brilliant and it has been right from the start and you can see it in this episode. So, <laughs> with that dramatic pause, <laughs> that can nicely lead us into what was your high point and your low point for this episode? Well, I'll give you my, my low point right off the I, bat. I'm going to have a guess Go on. your low points go. Is it Martin Prince? Well, it's not, but I'll I'll leave you to have him because 
Mine is a very, very short moment, and it's right at the very start, before even the episode starts. When he's writing on the chalkboard, they've got some properly awful fingers down the chalkboard noise in there that I'd never noticed before. And I don't know if it's unique to this episode, but it went right through me. It was just like, Eah! I was like, oh my God. And it really threw me. That at all. Yeah. It, when I first put it on, I was just like, oh my God. That, and it actually, it shook me, you know, into a point where I was <laughs> like, I couldn't, I had to pause it and go back because I was like, wow, that's, that's really gone through me. So, you know, props to the, um, the Foley department there, but <laughs> My God, yeah, that really, really went through me. Um, I know it's a stupid one, but... Uh, hey, no, it's whatever works for you, isn't it? And, and a high point? Yeah, that's that's more difficult. But I mean, I think the the sequence where they're playing softball, I really loved. And it's, you know, it's not a classic Simpsons moment in the, you know, the big gag sense, but it shows the emotional depth of the show. I don't know if it was just like excellent production. They had some music in the background, the, you know, the the evening light just you know a boy and his father playing a bit of catch and it's it's a classic classic trope in american cinema and tv that they just did absolutely perfectly and it and it got me you know i'm i'm a soppy bugger at the best of times but it, <laughs> you know it did it really got me and i think you know just shows how good this show really was right from the start what about yours mike what your uh high and low points well, I think we've kind of touched on it, but I think for me, the low point is Marge not being able to remember the word nurturing. Yeah. And that just, it just bugged me. It just... Stuck in your think claw. It, it really has. And it's one of those that, uh, it's, I think it's just because I, I, I know where, and we again, we mentioned this last time, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that character has evolved from this point to this point and everything. But she's, she's such a weak character in this episode yeah and just that kind of one moment just highlighted just how oh in a really in a really awful way just how little i feel like the the writers valued her as a character yeah you feel like they didn't know what to do with her to begin with did yeah they? a little bit and i think that, you know i imagine i'd love to to check it out but i imagine the writing team was mostly guys on this one yeah um, so i just it's just one of those where i feel like yeah, the emphasis is on Homer and Bart, but I think I feel like Lisa's a little bit fleshed out. She's got a bit of stuff going on, whereas Marge is just yeah, she's trying to be sort of she's trying to nurture Bart, you know, this ability that Bart seems to have. But even she doesn't appear to need to nurture Lisa's, and mm. and and she can't think of the word nurturing. It was just one of those where it was just like it just grated on me a little bit. Um, so that that was probably the low point for me. High point, oh, I've kind of got two. I think. Ignoring the kind of the, the you know the sweet moments between Homer and Bart, there's always a couple of lines in Simpsons episodes that just tickle me for absolutely no reason at all. And the first one was when they're talking to Skinner. What's what's his name's James uh, Pryor, the Doctor. Yeah, Mister Burns in any of the episode. Yeah, Mister Burns. Mister <laughs> Burns is Harry Shearer's voice. He's yeah. talking to uh, Skinner and Skinner says, oh, I think we should expel him or whatever he says. And Lauren, J. Lauren Pryor says, oh, no, I think we should move him to another school. And Skinner, just the, word, the delivery of the line when Skinner goes, oh, better yet. Yeah. <laughs> that, to me, that just, oh, it just cracked me up. Yeah, I love that. And then the other one was, again, J. Lauren Pryor. Just after reading Bart's confession, he just looks at Bart, deadpan, and says, you misspelled confession. <laughs> And I just thought, like, 
what a great time to just inject a tiny bit of humour yeah. into this kind of quite difficult scene for Bart and just, just to keep the gags coming, but in a completely different way. It's not physical. It's not like a big obvious, you know, Homer chasing Bart through the house naked kind of thing. It's just a little, tiny little joke at a time when a little bit of humour just softens the moment a little bit. And I just, I really liked that. I thought it was really, really cute. I th- there's so many bits actually that have that kind of level of humour that I really start to pick up on in this episode, which just weren't there in the first one. Like that that kind of thing is great. I think when Homer signs the check as well for the, the damage that, that Bart does, <laughs> yep. just Skinner's face when he's comparing the handwriting and, and going, oh, yeah. oh, this is a poorly attempted forgery. And then he's, he sees it's Homer's handwriting and just the look on his face is fantastic. Just the way his voice trails off is great. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. And the bit where um, Homer helps Bart put the tie on and you, you think, oh, he's going to show him how to tie a oh, tie yeah. and it's, no, it's a yeah, clip on. Yeah. I think the, the timing on that is just spot on as well. There, there was another line that I really liked. Again, Homer's dropping Bart off at the school and he kisses Bart and Bart says, you kissed me. And Homer said, why? There's nothing wrong with a father kissing his son, I think. <laughs> yeah. Homer just doesn't know how to be a dad sometimes. I just, I love that. Um, yeah, and the the other gag that was a bit like that was um, when Homer was saying about Albert Einstein. Oh, he blew up tons of chemistry labs and look at him, he invented the light bulb. Yeah. I love that. That's great. If that could lead us nicely into our sort of next question in my head. But it, before we do that, let's rate this episode out of eight. So how would you rate it? Um, I'm going to go with a six. And I, I say that in the most loving sense in that, again, this is an episode that I have a lot of time for because of what it does in the in the chronology of the the show um i think you know it it misses the mark sometimes there's some quite grating elements that we've discussed martin bloody martin (laughs) martin bloody martin i was gonna say actually as well why does martin stick around once they realize that bart's cheated on the test and he swapped the papers why does martin not f off to that school and never come back because that would have been wonderful Maybe he did, but then Jay Lauren Pryor suggested that he goes back to Springfield Elementary undercover <laughs> like a regular kid. That would be quite a good bit of B-roll, wouldn't it? If in series 35, <laughs> they suddenly bring back Jay Lauren Pryor. I love it. We're writing Simpsons fanfic now. This is fantastic. <laughs> I keep saying that guy's name. I'm actually going to check on IMDb whether I've got his name right. <laughs> I keep saying his name wrong. No, I am. I am right. J. Lauren Pryor. Excellent. Check you out. J stands for J. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, th- I think six is a, is the score I'd give it. It has some great moments. It's got a bit of that classic Simpsons humour that comes through. Starts to really show itself. And because it is that first proper Simpsons episode to me, it's always going to have a bit of a special place in my heart. I think it, it does miss the mark in a few bits, but I can forgive it. And, you know, the animation will get better and the uh, the voices will get better. Just to touch on that as well, how bad is Marge's voice right at the start? Oh, I, I, speaking of the voice, I mean, you're right. Like, I think Marge, both Marge and Homer, there is, um, I can't wait for the episode where we go, that's it, that's their voices, they've nailed it. Yeah. I mean, there must be like, it must be between series one and series two. But I uh, one of the other things that kind of kept coming to mind both in the first episode and this one is that they've clearly got quite a limited pool of talent for the voices uh, and 
the people who they had doing the voices didn't kind of, I don't know, stray too far from the norm. Because <laughs> everyone is so, you know, the two teachers that they had were both clearly Edna Krabappel. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, is it Marcia Wallace? And, and you know, Harry Shearer, he's got such a, such an, uh, such a distinct voice, you can always tell which characters are him. And I'm, I'm guessing that Hank Azaria hasn't actually come into it yet. He, he might have been in the first episode as Mo. That's a good point, actually, yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting how how many of those kind of, the same voices sort of crop up. Uh, and I guess, you know, they, they wouldn't have the budget to have loads of people doing all sorts of different characters. And I guess that's standard for an animated series like this, that they have the same people doing different things. It just seems to be quite... Um, a limited I mean you know we picked up straight away that J. Lauren Price sounds exactly like Mr. Burns and and exactly like you can close your eyes and it could be Mr. Burns saying those lines absolutely especially like in that first episode where he does the uh, the PA announcement at the power plant exactly you know, like it, yeah. it is absolutely identical but you're right I mean Krabappel and the, the other teacher as well were just identical I mean I, I wondered if that was on purpose in a way just to kind of draw the comparison yeah it could well have been yeah, could well have been. But having said that, I mean, like, that voice is very well formed already. Like, Krabappel doesn't really change across the, the seasons. Like, she's fairly nailed on. And Skinner as well was pretty much bang on. Spot on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about your rating, Mike? So, I mean, I gave the Christmas episode a six out of eight. And I am a sucker for a Christmas episode. I know I, I love anything Christmas related. I know this about you. <laughs> so... Oh, the issues with Marge and kind of just the slightly mixed looking at intelligence, but I can't really decide whether or not I think they value intelligence or not. And if they do value intelligence, why can't they see it in Lisa? And, I, you know, it's one of those, I feel like there's a couple of things that were just a little bit unsure for me in this episode. So I can't give it as high as the Christmas episode. So I'm going to give it a five out of eight. I think that's very fair. I think we've come to a, a fairly good consensus across the two episodes so far. We're we... doing well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the one where you give it a two and I give it an eight. Or something. Yeah, it'll happen. We've got very uh, conflicting views on certain things, don't we, Mike? Occasionally. We, we have been known to uh, have a nice, healthy debate. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Should we get into our feature segment for this week? Yes. So the feature segment today is something that kind of only just came up before we started this uh, podcast, is whether or not The Simpsons is set in a cartoon version of the real world or whether it's set in like an alternate reality kind of thing. This is um, a bit bit of a a weird one for me. I've always kind of thought it is just real life, isn't it? Because the thing about The Simpsons that I always heard was that they picked the name Springfield because it was like the the most common name in in American towns. And they picked The Simpsons because it was one of the most common surnames. They've basically got 2.4 children you know all of that kind of stuff so there's so much of reality in there that i never even considered that it wasn't actually a real universe you know i'd, I'd be interested to hear your uh, your take on yeah. it it's one of them where i i I'm, i don't necessarily think that it's not and i think there's there's a lot of things that suggest that it probably is things like i mean in this episode einstein who is the first, uh, you know, first example of a real-world person being Simpsonized, mm. which I think is great. Yeah, but there's just there's a couple of things that I'm I kind of just wonder about. And in the episode where Homer jumps over Springfield Gorge on Bart's skateboard, he yeah. should have died. <laughs> 
Well, and it's, it's one of those where it's like, is it? Uh, I know it's a cartoon. I get that. <laughs> but given how many times you could probably argue that these characters should have died, is it like a slightly distorted real world where, you know, donuts fall like rain? <laughs> yeah, nice callback. I like that. Nice. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, I see your point, but I think, you know, there's always a bit of poetic license with these kind of things. And if you think about big blockbuster films as well, where the characters should die, I mean, just think about Home Alone, for instance. Like, didn't, didn't they work out that Harry and Marv would have died like eight times in the first one and about <laughs> 20 in the second Home Alone? Oh, yeah, film? without a doubt. In the, first, in, in the second one, Marv would have died after that first brick. <laughs> Harry. Yeah, I guess that it's just it's just it's it's the, the liberties that you can take with it being a cartoon that you couldn't do if it was the real world, but it's not necessarily suggesting it's not just a cartoon version of the real world. Yeah, I mean, there's differences, and they they have to point those out sometimes. I think. I mean, they're always kind of referring to things that do exist in the real world, and we mentioned last episode about um, the Fox Network getting a bit of a hammering from them, you know, and they they do refer to that quite a lot. And I guess you know, conversely, you have fake off-brand things in there like like duff beer and like the, when they have like the maple store and all of that kind of stuff i mean they, they just cigarettes yeah i mean they, they do a lot of stuff just not to get sued but i don't i don't think it's necessarily um it being in a different universe i mean obviously they've got four fingers right but well yeah that's mm, that's that's a fairly big argument to towards the uh yeah well the fact that they've got four fingers and god's got five where does that fall into oh sh- I hadn't even noticed that. Had you not? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, God's got five fingers. Whoa. Okay. I'm blown, right? Okay. So, yeah, so there's a couple of points as well, and I, I couldn't think of a specific within The Simpsons, but I'm thinking of other films where a character, and I'm pretty sure it happens in one of the Marvel films, where one of the Marvel characters, one of the big superheroes, talks about, um, I think, Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man calls loki reindeer games as an insult and i'm actually just going to imdb this <laughs> quality content on the podcast yeah it's good isn't it it's one of them where you know there's been times where <laughs> ron jeremy's in it awesome <laughs> um there's been times in in films where a character has referenced another film and and that actor and that actor has then appeared within the marvel universe or whatever it is yeah and it's like, it just gets a little bit weird at that point. I mean, in The Simpsons, like Michael Jackson exists in The Simpsons, but then he voices a guy who thinks he's Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's um, that's a very particular weirdness that I'm sure we'll come on to at some point. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean, like with the Marvel stuff there, I don't know, I'm a bit cynical about all that kind of thing anyway. I think they're just kind of making it up as they go along to suit whatever they need to do commercially. But That's um, a whole new podcast then, isn't it? It certainly is, and I'm, I'm sure we're <laughs> going to get a lot of hate. Sorry, rather, I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying that kind of thing. Should I tell you that Star Wars is overrated as well? I don't know. <gasps> Man, you're just <laughs> dropping the bombs today, aren't you? <laughs> Luckily, I'm doing the editing, but I'm going to leave that in. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, I think... <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not sure there's too much in it, Mike. To be honest, I mean, like, I I see where you're coming from, but uh, 
I, I like, think I, it's it's too close to reality, and I think it, the show plays off that so much that it is real life in a way. It's it, it's a distillation of like how the human race works. You know, like the family that we're learning about, they have all of those fairly typical human failings you know they're, they're pretty extreme but they they reflect the best and worst in all of us really and i think that's that's how they were always designed not that that actually answers the question whether it's the same universe or not but i i think that kind of adds some weight to the argument maybe i think the only other point that i have to make in a as a sort of a counter argument to that is they're all yellow yeah well, some of them are yellow, not all of them. That's true. No, you're right. Some of them are not yellow. But the majority of them yeah, are most definitely yellow. I tell you what, though, I, I don't know if that's something that they even recognise, though, because do you remember that bit where Homer's got written on his hand, Lenny White, Carl Black? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So maybe they just but then, see it uh, but then That being said, there's an episode where Krusty goes, uh, he fakes his own death and goes and lives on a boat and he says something like, "It's uh, the sun is toasting my pale, oh no, he says pale skin, a to- healthy brown, doesn't he? Yeah. But he says pale skin, a healthy brown. He doesn't say, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know whether they, do they ever call themselves yellow? Hmm. I don't think so. I, I can't think of a an instance. But then I'm starting to wonder whether there's like an episode title that refers to it somewhere. Interesting. Hmm. But then again, are the are the episode titles part of the world though? You know, that could be something. Gonna, I feel us. like this might be a repeat discussion. I think there's going to be episodes in the future where we watch and go, we need to we need to revisit the whole real world discussion. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's also just just as a, a one final addendum to that. So, Marge's hair is blue. Yeah. But it's been established that she dyes her hair. Yeah. Okay. But Milhouse's hair is blue. Well, it's black in this episode, but yeah. That's true. But in future episodes, it's blue. Yeah. And Chief Wickham's hair, is that blue? It's blue eventually. It's grey to begin with, I think. Yeah. Or black. Uh, And there's several other characters. Yeah, there's several other characters who have... Luan Van Outen has blue hair. Yeah. And the, those episodes of Marge when she's young, she's got blue hair as well. But you, so, yeah. you did raise the point that the kids are all blonde, right? So that begs the question whether or not Marge is actually blonde and she dyes her hair blue. Or whether Homer's not the dad. <gasps> what? I know, right? Let me I guess, Disco Stew. <laughs> I would absolutely love it if it was. <laughs> Back away, not today, disco lady. It's good to know that disco stew can still boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is a weird one, though, isn't it? Because like Homer's hair is very definitely brown in the, those episodes where he's got the hair, and I think we're we're coming to that fairly shortly, aren't we? Yeah, that's it. I think it's uh, coming up. So yeah, like what the hell? Maybe maybe they're just kids, though. I mean, kids are quite often blonde and go go less blonde over time, but to go to to blue would be oh, something. in future episodes where both Bart and Lisa are most definitely still blonde in the this future. This is very true. But Abe Simpson is blonde. Yeah, Abe Simpson is blonde. Uh, maybe just skip the generation. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, the, the blue hair thing is weird because there, there is bits where Marge dyes her hair as well, right? Yeah. Like, was it dye number 52 or something like that? Yeah. I can't remember what it is. It's very definitely that she died. But maybe she's like, you know, 
some blonde people dye their hair blonde. Yeah. So maybe it's like that. She's Bit just of colour. Roots. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't overanalyze the blue hair thing and the yellow skin thing. Maybe I think. Just... I think, Mike, if we didn't overanalyze things, this show would cease to exist. Cool. I think it's okay. got to be a good thing. <laughs> when you say this show, you mean this podcast, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the Simpsons. As no, a whole. God, no, no. Okay, cool. No, people would actually care if the Simpsons ceased to exist. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> I thought we were overselling our reach then. <laughs> and on that note, I think that's time to call it a night. I reckon so. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to this episode of Him and I in Springfield. We'll endeavour to do better in the future. Bye. And now, Duffman has a dinner date with his estranged daughter. Must not bring up why she dropped out of college. It's too sad. Ha, ha, hey, ha, ha.